Welcome everybody in for another episode of Compile Security Sessions. I'm your host, Dan Tagney, and today we're going to be discussing navigating the security framework maze. How do you choose the right security framework for your organization? Well, today we're going to find out. By the end of this, you will have three things you can walk away with. A better understanding of the importance of selecting an appropriate security framework. You will also gain insights into popular security framework. Wonderful panel will share their expert opinion and some of their security framework favorites. Lastly, and maybe the most important part of this, you will learn best practices when it comes to imp uh, implementation. So without further ado, I will pass this around and allow each guest to introduce themselves. Ron, uh, you are a newcomer to the show. Why don't we start with yourself? We'd love to learn a little bit about you. Great. Thank you for having me, first of all. Uh, my name is Ron. I've been in the IT cybersecurity business for coming up close to 250 years now. Uh, <laughs> no, it just, just feels like it. Uh, 21 years. Dumbledore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 21 years, very soon. It's going to be 21 years. Um, I've worked in small small companies, three, four, five people. Um, I've worked in big companies, uh, been contractor for 55 uh, companies of 50,000 people. Um, my last role was a uh, VP of, uh, of a financial firm that had a thousand people. And now I'm on my own pathway, um, helping out people get into cybersecurity and also providing um, expertise uh, that I gathered along the way to uh, different companies uh, that need of some uh, uh, help in uh, their cyber uh, posture. Uh, that's a little about me. That's great. Yeah, Ron, uh, I'm a big fan of your stuff on LinkedIn. You post some great content. Uh, so any viewer that's watching this, please go uh, check out Ron. He has uh, always sharing great tips. Um, Stas, I uh, would love to learn a bit about, a little bit about yourself as well. Sure. Um, so I'm Stas Bajuka. I'm the co-founder and CEO of, uh, of Compile. Uh, my background is information security. So similar to Ron, um, I'm in my 20th year of doing this. Um, I have a degree in the space. I've got uh, every accreditation in the space, or pretty much every accreditation in the space. Um, and uh, my background is financial services, um, but security and compliance focused, uh, just heavily regulated uh, organizations. Very cool. Thanks for being here. And uh, Will, if you want to round us out. Sure. Hey, everybody. Will Kosofsky. Uh So 20 something, I think 24 years in the industry, uh, working most of the time in consulting and managed services. Currently working at Stratascale, where I uh, do a lot of uh, strategy and go to market planning, that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, excited to talk about frameworks Said no one ever. Um, but yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Also, I'll just explain that I'm in a suit because I'm at a conference and I'm doing a yeah. keynote. I'm doing a keynote speak. This is perfect timing on NIST CSF revision two. Um, so ask me anything about that framework. <laughs> <laughs> did you okay. study beforehand? You like I did. I did. I am. Um, so it's, I mean, realistically, it's a new, uh, it's a new function that they're introducing, right? It's a gover governance, function. the governance route. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, a lot of it is just overlap between the other five functions and there's a couple of new sections. Um, it's basically, I mean, I wasn't going to go into this, but it's basically accountability is what they're getting at, right? They want accountability for risks and incidents, which wasn't specified before and, uh, holding people to disclosure and timely disclosure. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Yeah, I'm sure them and the SEC had no idea that those two things were going to come out around the same time. So. Oh man, that's funny. There's there's two CISOs at this conference right now. One's from uh, Amtrak and the other one's from uh, JetBlue. Um, and they were both talking about uh, when do you disclose and like how much trouble you can get in if you 
decide it's not an incident, but then you find out that it is an incident yeah. and you could have disclosed, and then the, then they start reviewing what should have happened, when it should have happened. Uh, yeah, it's pretty dicey. Well, anyways, sorry, Dan. Just have your definition of material ready. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. What's the definition of material? Nobody knows. That's legal. That's yeah. legal, yeah. That's legal. Legal knows. It's funny. Legal knows. They, they both also said that they, uh, they have retained counsel themselves personally, um, which, like, I'd never really thought about before, but it makes complete sense. Um, and the Uber thing is really interesting as well. I got some, like, interesting insights on the on Uber, and I don't know if you guys know this, but the guy, uh, I forgot his name, but the CISO that got, uh, that got fined um, and, you know, it was tried, um, he was the general counsel for Facebook. And when he went over to Uber, uh, he, tr he retained the general counsel uh, status, but also was the CISO. And the reason that he's doing that is so he wanted to claim privilege on conversations that he didn't want people to have knowledge of, which I didn't know about. Um, but that's ultimately what, they said that that wasn't the reason, but I think you could kind of. It, it, it's super weird. I just got off a call with another CISO who was talking to another seat, like, you know, that that um, I won't say who, but it was somebody who, because they were named in litigation, yeah. it, um, that person has been out of pocket like a million bucks. Wow. Because yeah. they were named in something. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're, that is uh, that is a concern and a risk for that. Yeah those in that role for sure the the question is and I think this is probably a, a different uh conversation altogether uh for probably a different episode is are CISOs has any fiduciary duty at all well they're the company. not they're not an officer of the company most CISOs are not officers right they don't have Dino they don't have parachutes they don't most yeah. of them I mean you know in very few organizations they do that it seems to be I and it was funny when we were talking about this with uh, I've had this conversation with a couple of CISOs the last couple of weeks is it's like so and some of them make really good money like if you're in the right region there are seven figure roles out there but yeah. it's kind of like they're not going to treat you like an officer though they're going to give you a bunch of money and be like shut up and take it and that's this so, and, and there's and there's a lot of director vps now who are like i don't really want that job yeah <laughs> they, they just they just attach the word CISO to their uh, title and all yeah. of a sudden they're CISO, despite the fact they don't have any of the benefits or pay of one yeah. the officers yeah. Yeah, but sorry, Dan. We we yeah. Sorry, Dan. We hijacked we hijacked this conversation. But no. it's funny because they um they're also like you don't go into a board call and you you're like asking the CFO you're like hey like what what cash position are we in and like you know we're doing well like no no I don't believe you I want to check it over myself or like and you don't do that with like the head of like legal or finance or uh, um HR but CISOs right you tell them you're like. Hey, there's a couple of risks to the organization that are pretty massive. Well, what, what's considered a risk? You don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. Or yeah. the opposite. They're like, I saw this thing on the news. We oh, need yeah, to hear yeah. about this. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. like number 15 on our list of things to do, guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so far down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah I think, I think this, you know, we've talked about this before, but this really, you know, it, it's it's a byproduct of like this framework conversation. But it's overall, I think the whole conversation of, you know, elevating information security into the boardroom and being able to have somebody w deliver that information, um, you know, without watering it down, but not too technically. Um, but it does start with a framework, right? A guidance of yeah. where the organization is going to go. The framework is kind of like your North star, you know, yeah. think about like at the end of the day, the idea is just to, you know, manage security risk. That's, that's what you're trying to do. So yeah. Stas, I, I, I want to start with you. I, I, 
love that you brought up NIST. And I mean, but but there's a there's a, there's quite a few security frameworks, right? ISO 27001, CIS, CIS control, SOC, PCI, like help me, like let's start at the beginning. Like, why do we need security frameworks? Why are security frameworks here? Um, why why is that kind of North Star needed in an organization when it comes to security? Well, for a long time, there was no frameworks and everyone was doing whatever it is they wanted to do in order to try and secure an organization. Uh, there's obviously gaps. And in order to bridge those gaps, uh, people started putting together best practices and basically fundamentals of what an organization should be doing. Um, there are, um, you know, there are frameworks for very different things. There are frameworks that are very uh fundamental there are very that are comprehensive there are very that there are some that are very specific to industries and niches and things like that um but the whole point of it is to is that you can feel comfortable using somebody else or get comfortable with the security that you have in place and be able to measure it and also be able to measure it against other organizations that also have it in place but it's really more that you don't forget to do something um is more than what i look at it interesting and ron I i'm curious with your experience i mean at the end of the day like I can't imagine security professionals are looking at these frameworks as like a one size fits all. Like, hey, as long as we just do this list of things, like we're secure and we have nothing to worry about. At the end of the day, there has to be some customization that's going on to these frameworks. With your experience, um, I'm curious maybe if you have an example or maybe an example you know of from a colleague of somebody implementing a framework that like just didn't really fit 100% or didn't give the organization the coverage um, they were looking for and maybe like what they had to also add or adjust to get kind of the level of security they were comfortable with. Um, I, can, I can bring out some stories I have. Um, uh, the main thing to remember is um, frameworks are all inclusive. It's like most of them, like the NIST and the ISOs of the world, which is the general frameworks everybody knows about. They're very inclusive, so they're very big. Um, you, you have to tailor them to your specific needs and to your organization. Now, sometimes, depending on what you do, and this is heavily Americanized, for instance, right? That's the American way of frameworks. ISO is very European. That's the European way of doing the framework. Depending, sometimes you have a company that's either American or European, or it might be both. Um, you need to borrow from each of the uh, frameworks in order to... Um, um, comply with whatever regulations you have. If it's European regulations, including GDPR, for instance, this framework doesn't talk about GDPR, right? ISO has a little bit of more of that in there. Um, GDPR is also a privacy framework. So you have to mesh it all together to make a, a cohesive document. Now, I like to compare it to frameworks to like an architect. It, they're building, they have these huge plans of a grand masterpiece. Now, what we do as security professionals, we're the contractor. We're supposed <laughs> to build the build the thing, the grand thing. And we look at those plans and say, well, this is not going to work. Engineer shows up and is like, no, no, no. Nope. Engineer shows up. <laughs> no, nope, we can't do this. We can't do this, but we can do this to make it like the framework wants, but we can have a a glass dome uh, measuring uh, 50, 50 yards uh, above it. We, we can have like a smaller dome from, from glass. That's, that's what's going to happen. Architects have the, you know, the grand vision. Engineers, contractors, they actually need to build a thing. So that's what we do. We build a thing from the framework. So we borrow from here, we borrow from here, but we borrow from here. 
and we make it work. And it has to be very custom tailored to the business itself. Sometimes businesses don't have a certain things that the framework calls for. So it's okay to remove them. It's a framework. That's the meaning of it. You can, yeah. you can take things out and you can put things in. That's great. And I love well, that. Well yeah, that was, that was very well said. Um, you know, Will, I, I'm curious because you sit sit uh, and kind of advise and help organizations kind of meet their goals, right? And every organization is going to have different goals when it comes to security. When it comes to an organization successfully, let's say, implementing a, a framework or getting themselves aligned with a framework, what are some of the commonalities you see um, in an organization that's able to do that versus the ones that maybe struggle? Um, is, is it budgets, is it resources, uh, or is it all the above? Yeah, I think generally speaking, it's gotta be, um, you know, it's about the individual. It's about the attitudes, understanding that like, it's not a destination, right? So I, I'm, I'm, I, I always say that, you know, a framework is your roadmap, right? It's, you know, in order to Stas's point back in the day, we just did things because we thought we, this was a good way to do it. And so the framework says, well, here's the road you actually need to take to get to this destination. But the reality is there is no destination um, because it's all about continual maturity. Because first off, if you, if you're on a one to five scale, you're never going to be all fives. If you are, you're lying to yourself or your auditor is probably. Um, or I, yeah, I, I say that generally speaking, maybe there's a 0.001% of companies out there who can do it, but never seen you know, I've never seen one. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen them. But yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, cause like, you know, we, we've all assessed or audited somebody and nobody's got asset management figured out and that's step one on the NIST framework. So that power, there you go. <laughs> because that's the hard, I mean, that and data classification, right? I mean, like, yeah, yeah. data, data classification, that's a whole that's yeah, a whole nother world. Yeah, it's exactly. a whole different world. Now you're getting yeah. into privacy. Anyway, yeah. so it's so because there's, my... no, there's no shiny. Sorry, well, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, like, no. There's, no shiny, there's no shiny tool, right? And there's no like, no tool is going to tell you what your assets are. You're going to have to look. There's tools that can help, but someone actually has to go and do the hard work. And it's super like it. It's super boring, and nobody wants to do it. But like, it's really important. Like, <laughs> it, that's it, really it's part of the frameworks that I dislike yeah. it's they're not realistic classify yeah. your data we're a data driven world there's data everywhere on multiple yeah. databases in multiple location yeah. good luck even if you have a team of 20 people good yeah. luck in yeah. finding all of that data and classifying it it's not gonna happen it, it, yeah. it, it's 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 tough so to that point like you know it's not an end goal it's 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 a it's the framework it's a it's a way to operate your business, just like policies and procedures, just like HR has policies and procedures. I went through, you know, there was, we, we've all been doing this long enough that we probably worked at a place that had casual Friday. And that meant you didn't have to like Stas is dressed casually for that business, right? Every other day you're in a suit no and tie. Yeah. I, I got the, one of the companies I got hired before is like, here's our dress code and it's people in shorts and tank tops. Right. So things change just like they do it's in any any other part of the business to adapt to it and so that's really what it i think to be successful we have to realize look this is a journey we're on and this is going to help us guide that journey and that's really what it's about it's not a, not getting to the end yeah. yeah and how do you you know ron i'm i'm curious how do you get buy in right from outside of just the security team or, you know, IT team? How do you get buy-in from an organization that, hey, this is kind of the direction we're moving on our journey. Um, and, you know, best 
you know, when organizations are implementing frameworks and improving their security, most of the time when they're doing that well, it's it's across the organization. It's not just a, a security department playing, uh, playing, you know, catching the bad guys. It, it's everyone kind of doing their part. How do you, how do you get buy-in? Um, well, there's two there's two types of groups. Uh, the first type of group is the regulated companies. Um, each and every regulated company has to do it. They have no choice. If they don't do it, they get hit by fines by the SEC, FTC, uh, Department of uh, the Health Department, uh, whatever uh, yeah. departments that control those regulations. Um, EU. <laughs> EU, yeah, all EU, the yeah, DEA, the ISO, yeah, yeah. but so, not, yeah. not that ISO. Those, ISO. You get ahead if you're a private, small company, non-public, um, booze. <laughs> not just <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> you, you need to bribe the the CEO and CFO with booze. So. Uh, <laughs> So you know, it's you have to bring the the plus and minuses. You have to bring the risk to the table. It's a little it's a little harder um, if if an organization is not regulated. Uh, but you have to uh, approach it in a way where um, you talk to them about risk to the business. You have to talk to them about financial risk because a business needs to make money. If a business doesn't make money or a business loses money. Um, it's out of business, right? There is no business anymore. Um, so if you frame it in that, and if you show them numbers that if they invest a certain amount of money uh, to protect certain amount of assets that are, if they lose that money, it's going to cost them times a thousand, um, you can reach them. Because if you're if you're telling them, I need a $50,000 platform to protect 20,000 worth of information, they're going to say, get the hell out, right? Um, you have to show them um, how it's benefiting uh, benefiting them and also how it makes financial sense because these are business people. They talk numbers. They talk money. Um, and that's why some, um, people say, say to me, ask me sometimes, how do I become a CF, uh, CISO? I say, study accounting and finance because you need to know to talk business to the business in order to get your agenda through. That's yeah, I'll, I'll simplify what Ron said. Like you, you, you talk to the business. Don't talk. If you can't, you know, if 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 you can't explain it in business terms, they're not listening. They're not going to hear you. You know, you, if you're the guy running around saying the sky is falling, that doesn't mean anything, right? You've got to be able to show the the value and whatever, like, and understand how the business works. I I provide that sort of guidance to anybody that I can talk to or mentor who asks. You know, coming up, you know, when they talk about what skills or certifications and they want to become a CISO, like, learn how the business operates. Like the first thing you're going to do there is be like, all right, well, how do we make our money, right? How, do, how does this company that yeah, I yeah. work for make their money? And yeah. then what do I need to do to make sure they continue to make that money? Or and give them a reasonable, reasonable level of security for that organization based on their threat landscape and their risk appetite. Because like the amount of times that I've worked into walked into organizations where like the former whatever was like focused on like the stuff that really doesn't matter to your organization while like, there's, you know, glaring holes in like the parts where like they're losing position data, but we're really like, we really care about like, uh, you know, what cars people are driving because they might get fought. Like it, it's just, uh, you have to know, you have to know what you're protecting and why you're protecting it um, in order, uh, in order to be successful. Um, but like, just like at this conference, like the amount of times that we've talked about, like CISOs not being able to explain to their boards or to their management team, what is going on, why things are important and like, and being able to spell it down to like, this risk is going to cost us this much. The probability of it happening is this, and this is the impact and not just going off on some giant tirade about, you know, 
someone's device hasn't been connected for three weeks and we, we need to disable yeah, we need to disable detail. the device yeah that's yeah. too much detail they don't need that they don't yeah. need that yeah exactly but it, it's just it's being able to relay to the business so that they understand what's going on huh. yeah stas uh you know i know tomorrow you're speaking about the nist uh 2.0 framework um i'm, I'm curious <laughs> just as you're looking at that and some of the things you're going to share what was interesting to you about the update or the proposed update and how much of it do you think is, uh, you know, real, is easy to implement or is going to be, uh, organizations are going to be able to kind of, or what are they going to struggle with? Yeah. Oh, that, that's funny. Cause, um, yeah, I, I pulled this one out of a hat, so I didn't pick it. I was, it was given to me. Um, we're going to uh, yeah. cut that part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah let's, let's cut that part. Cause like, uh, sorry, just on like on a funny note, right? So I'm doing the last I'm doing the last keynote at 11:30 tomorrow. So I'm standing in between them, lunch and a weekend, and I'm talking about this CSF. Like, oh, that's gonna be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> People are gonna just hold hold their seats and just tune in. Oh man, I, it's get there early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, out of you know, as far as like. Um, as far as um, frameworks go, I actually think the NIST CSF framework is quite a good one. Um, I know that it's very American focused as well. Like I was in the UK for a number of years and ISO was really, really what, uh, you know, the Europeans focused on as, as Ron was saying. Um, but NIST is very comprehensive. NIST is also free, which makes a huge difference. Um, and it's more prescriptive. So it actually tells you exactly what you need to do. And it gives you some examples rather than both ISO, SOC, like they're very interpretive. GDPR, very, you can interpret it. Um, whereas NIST is very prescriptive as what what look, what good looks like. And I find that really helpful. Um, in terms of the, you know, in terms of the updates, in terms of the version two, they're introducing a new function uh, for governance. And it's really just putting accountability for people to take, uh, to take, Accountability for risks, for incidents, for when they report it, for when they're they're reporting to, what do they do with it? Um, being able to follow the life cycle through uh, an incident, through risk, making sure that you're staying on top of your reporting your reporting requirements, your regulatory requirements, and if those things are falling through the cracks, you have to speak up and put and make sure that people are aware of it. That's the gist of the of the changes. Otherwise, they just re they repurposed a lot of the. The stuff out of the other five functions into the new governance function and added a couple of new sections in but it's more or less intact um they just taken out like both iso actually pretty much all the frameworks like iso pci that was updated last year as well um they've all pretty much taken out a lot of the stuff around data centers um because more companies are, like they're it's not relevant to them anymore so they've reduced a SOC lot of two for those guys will cover it right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but then yeah. I mean the SOC two thing is a whole like is a whole other can of worms, right? I mean like you have like a five person organization giving me a type two that literally has nothing in it, but it's telling me everything's fine and every, like I don't know that that's a whole different that's a whole different ball game. But. Yeah, uh, Will any uh, you know Sass was talking a little bit about NIST. Any other frameworks that you're seeing as far as being popular or common or easier to implement than others that stick out to you? Uh, I think it depends on the organization, honestly. Um, I remember when this CSF came out, like the first time I saw it was a very, um, it was a manufacturing company, very, you know, 
well-established for, you know, in their industry, but very small security team, very, un, you know, mostly IT people and really have a program. And first time I saw it, I was like, this is kind of simple, right? Um, versus, you know, ISO 27.1 thing. Um, and so, like, for them, it was very good. Like, it was very apl applicable. For uh, I've seen a lot of small businesses who their first encounter with security is because they found out they had to be PCI compliant. Yeah. which for them is very good because it was very prescriptive of, hey, you need to do this like to the technical level. So I think the success comes with understanding what's going to be, again, what's right-sized for your organization. I think more importantly than that, though, especially for mid and enterprises up as you go on, um, you're going to have more than one, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, if you're a healthcare organization, you've got a ton of things you've got to deal with, right? Uh, if you're a heavily regulated financial services, it's a ton of thing. I mean, if you're lucky enough to be, you know, privately held and work in an unregulated sector and, you know, kind of check all these boxes where there's not a whole lot of things, that, then, yeah, you can say, I'm just going to be in this CSF shop, but, you know, I'm going to outsource my card processing so I don't have to worry about PCI. And, you know, I mean, there's ways to get around it, but um, for most, you're going to have to do with multiple things. And, and having harmonized compliance is really a harmonized framework is really where it comes down to, which is being able to say, okay, I've got these three things I'm going to have to be compliant with. How can I make it as effective as possible? How can I be efficient, especially when it comes into auditing? And that auditing doesn't have to be a third-party auditor showing up because you have to do it, but even internally, right? If you have people who are managing GRC or people who are just helping you or consultants or whatever showing up once a year, um, make it easy for them, right? Let's let's yeah. look at all of this stuff all at once. And this one one control, this one requirement is going to hit all of these different points of the frameworks, like simplify it um, and not simplify and, and dumb it down, but simplify and, and make it all. It's a lot of, if you do all the prior planning, everything up, when you actually get to execute it, it's, it's always easier. And we all say that, we all know it. And that goes beyond security, like project management, uh, any type of new product plan. And, Anything you've ever done what's brand new, you know, if you take just a little bit longer in that planning stage to think about and do it just right, it's going to make the execution easier. And so I, I'd say the same thing with sort of harmonizing those frameworks. Yeah, I think what you're looking for is continuous compliance and a one-to-many relationship mapping. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and again, continuous, yeah. right? It's not, yeah, it's not in a day, like this is what we're going on. And here we go. Let's build this into the, like what I loved about, or what you were saying about the NIST new stuff is, all they've really done is document what we already knew had to be happen, which is program management, right? Program yeah. management equals management equals governance. Like it's all the same, all the different words for the same thing, like making sure that this is happening, being yeah. it, making it auditable and, and putting, you know, some rails around how we're actually going to manage this. Yeah. Like for me, like I have continuous like pop-ups all the time that are like, you need to review this. Like this vendor needs to be like, is everything still okay here? Like you have an update. Like I need to get prod and poked for all this stuff as well. Like, yeah. There's just, there's too much stuff to handle and remember. And this is why if you don't have a process in place, you will forget it. And then by the time you get audited, it'll be too late because you haven't done it in your observation window. <laughs> yeah. And these, per these frameworks include a review, um, review clauses that says you have to review this every yeah. X amount of time. This is not, yeah. This, yeah. this is not the end of the story. It's not like you created this frameworks and policies one time and you get to sit down and enjoy your martini. That's not going to happen. Right. It's, it's, no. it's continuous improvement. It's, it's, 
all the time. And even in the middle of it, all of a sudden, the SEC comes up with something. You're not going to wait till the end of the year. Oh, I have seven more months to review it. I don't need to change the policies <laughs> now, right? No, you have to change them now. So you have to do it now. You know, FINRA comes up with a new thing and you're doing healthcare. So you have to do it now. It's not something that that you can let go. So you have to be aware that every these policies, these um, frameworks are flexible, even if they're not officially changed, you know that the change is coming. So you better you better be prepared for it. And that's a great point. I think we kind of talked about it around at least, but is flexibility, right? Um, even if you're, if like PCI was is a good example of this because it was very prescriptive. You know, if, you know, nobody's coming and giving you a NIST CSF certification or sticker, right? There's no, there's no certification for it. So you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do, but like PCI, no, you have to do these things or you fail, right? But you can also make a case that, well, I don't need to do this because X, Y, and Z, I have compensating controls in place. This doesn't apply to me, right? So, so people look at this as like, oh, I've got this daunting list of things to do, but we'll no, look at it logically. Like if you, and that kind of, I think you kind of get that way, even if you are getting externally audited for any kind of one of these frameworks, if you can explain to the auditor and the governing body why that this wasn't done. I mean, when GDPR, I won't say first came out, but when it was early on, there were some challenges with, a, a certain very large company in the way that they did business um, that kind of out of the box, it wasn't GDPR compliant. And, you know, it was kind of like, well, the, 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 the recommendations I made were, well, maybe it is, or maybe it isn't. The reality is your business processes aren't compliant. Right. But what you can do is look at everything that you have to do and then find all the gaps. So say you find 18 things within GDPR that you, you're not doing right now. And sure, I can only fix 10 of them because of these other these other eight. I just can't do it. We'll fix those 10, document that. And then if something happens, you're legally defensible, right? Look, I've done it's it's about due diligence, right? You're not getting fined because you failed the audit. You're getting fined because you got breached or because there was an incident or there was an event. So again, thinking about this as sort of an end goal isn't the right way. It's that framework and the intent behind it is to help you manage your security. For sure, and, just and I also think if you if you got breached, if yeah. you did everything wrong, uh, right, uh, auditors come in, police comes in, FBI yeah. or whatever the governing the policing body comes in and says, sees you did everything right, but you still got breached, you're not going to get thing, or at least not not as hard as you would have if you failed. I had a former yeah. client who, sorry, says I had a former no, client no, no. who would um, they would they would uh, do their maturity scoring. And they would test themselves against a more heavily regulated industry than their own simply because they knew if they got breached, they were going to be way above anybody else in their industry and they were going to be on par with this other heavily regulated industry. So they created a legally defensible position. Like there's no argument that they were not doing what they, you know, to uh, due diligence was covered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you have to, do like, I mean, this is, this is just good practice, but like just to, you know, cover your own uh, like ass, right? Like COA, like um, you have to document all this stuff out, right? If you're if you're having risk committee meetings, like you make sure that they're minuted and that you capture that they want to accept the risk because ultimately it's a business's decision whether they do it or not. And if you document all of it, you're good to go from a legal perspective. The worst thing you can do, and I've seen this happen so many times, uh, where 
you have CISOs or the information security managers uh, agreeing to things that they know are unrealistic for them to deliver in a, in a period of time and then working themselves into a corner being like, you said we were going to be at this maturity level for identity access management and we we're going to have all this stuff in place. And not only do they not have access, to, like not they don't have control of a lot of the IT, uh, the, uh, IT teams, their priorities, their budgets. Like, I don't, I just don't understand why people work themselves into these corners. Like, I'm happy to help. I'm happy to advise, but this is not ultimately my responsibility. My responsibility is to guide you guys and to make sure that you stay secure. How it gets delivered is a different conversation with a different with a number of different teams brought in together. And I'm just here as you know, an advisory. And you can accept the, the risk. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's it's <laughs> exactly that. And CISO has a problem letting go of that concept yeah. that yeah. they're not the ones that are responsible. Yep. It's the business that is responsible for the decisions and accepting the risk. So any any time that a business accepts a risk, they have to document it. They have to have that little 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 yep. uh, check mark or a little uh, uh, expert in the meeting notes that said yep. uh, X, Y, and Z accepted this specific risk. Um, yep. And that's it. And I know it's hard for CISO sometimes to release that from from their mind because yeah. I was yeah. in that a long time ago as well. But it's not it's not my call. It's the business that makes that decision. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like it's like working with legal, right? Like you ask legal for advice. No one's going out to lawyers because they want to. They're going out <laughs> because they're concerned about something, right? Right. And if the lawyers tell them not to do it and they do it anyways, that's their decision. But like the lawyers advise them to do it or not to do it. Like it's the same. It's the same scenario here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Will's, you know, to kind of round this out, I think Will said this earlier, uh, and it was, you know, it, it's the truth, you know, security is a journey, it's not there's no destination. And at the end of the day, you know, if you look at something like ISO 27001, which was recently updated, prior to that, it wasn't updated since 2013. And hackers are getting more and more sophisticated, and new threats are emerging every single day, the moment a framework gets updated, gets published, and an organization begins trying to align with it or implement what's considered best practices, those best practices are out of date. So I think the idea is know your business, know where you're, what's important, and know how to protect it. Um, sure, take a look at these frameworks. They're important. They offer insights. But at the end of the day, no one's going to know your business better than you are, right? I mean, that, that's the truth of it. Yeah, and going back to the analogy of the architect, for instance, so somebody built yeah. a very nice house. Yeah. 20 years ago, it was a very nice house. You're not just going to, you know, and it's your house and you love that house and you think it could be a little bit better. You're not going to wait for the architect 20 years and 20 years <laughs> to send you new plans. You're going to say, hmm, I want to expand this bedroom and I want to, to make yeah. a better yard and I want to uh, knock down this wall. And that's exactly what we do. You know, we don't yeah. wait for the frameworks to come in and then say, oh, we're very surprised at what the frameworks have been saying. <laughs> uh, let's start. Let's start the journey all over again. No, if you're not, you know, changing everything almost real time, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Although yeah. to that point, code does change, and when your air conditioner goes out and you have to replace it, and you find out well what you used to have to. Oh yeah, definitely. You yeah. have to buy something ten times <laughs> yeah. better now that costs three times much. Yeah, my, the electricity in my in my yeah. house, for instance, uh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a eight gauge, and now it needs to be a ten gauge. Yep. And I'm like, well, <laughs> well, that's how the house was built. So what do you yeah, want? From exactly. Yeah. It's, I it's, like the analogy. Stas, Stas, I'm curious, just from your perspective. Obviously, you you know work and advise uh, across many organizations. Do you typically see kind of NIST being a 
uh, a common framework that organizations are wanting to align with? I know it's industry dependent, but you know, I'm just curious. Is that some? Is that is it? Is it popular? Is it? Is it? Uh, how do you look at it when an organization is a little unsure and recommending them um, a framework? I think most of the time organizations are unsure. They don't have a preference one way or another. The preference comes from their customers. So whatever their customer has a preference for, they have a preference for it. Um, I think what's really good about NISTSF, kind of like what's good about GDPR as well, is that if you're compliant to those two, you can be pretty much compliant with a lot of other frameworks because they are, um, well, NISTSF is prescriptive, like I was like I was mentioning before, but it maps across all of the other, like it maps across really nicely against ISO, PCI, SOC, um, I actually have the list here in front of me because I'm doing this. this Bismo, FERPA. Yeah. Well, Herpa, because the, these other these other frameworks, they they're um, all derived from it. They're all derived yeah. from NIST. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. If Almost every NIST, framework points back to NIST or ISO. That's my joke. Like, is yeah. like any any new framework that comes out is going to be like, you need to do this. See ISO. Blah blah blah. See see ISO. Yeah, exactly. See yeah. ISO. You know, it's it's yeah. eight hundred dash something most of the time, right? Eight hundred fifty three revision five. Yeah, yeah revision Three five. Rev but, one. Yeah. but um, the other thing, like, um, it's like what I've seen a lot of customers do is they'll go from having nothing to being able, like, they're like, we want to implement this CSF eight hundred fifty three revision five, which is a thousand and ninety three controls. Guys, you you don't even have policy management in place. Like you have no business doing this. Like pick your battles. Like that would be my my one like the advice I would give them is like NIST is a good all rounder. If you can apply to this, it's great. GDPR is the same thing. If like you know customer wants to be compliant with CCPA or they want to be compliant with the I forgot what the Virginia one is right now. Virginia um, privacy law. Like, They're also derived from NIST, by the way. So yeah, it's all yeah. And that's what I'm getting at. And the GDPR one is really good because like. Although it's not as prescript prescriptive, but if you do everything that it tells you to do, you should be compliant across all the other all the other U.S. privacy laws. The one in Canada as well. I can't speak for the rest of the world, but my experience has been like, just comply with just comply with GDPR. It will get you through all the other ones with a few like you know few changes here and there um, for specific states. But like generally, like they're good all rounder frameworks. I think that's great. Well, uh, this was a great, healthy conversation on frameworks. I know, Will, this uh, was an exciting, thrilling topic you were looking forward to. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to squeeze it for all it was worth. Um, I want to thank the three of you for making the time for this. And Ron, we would uh, love to have you on for another episode in the future. Um, thanks so much, everyone, for being here.